1: lots of things are better together hockey food golf how about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day but if you really want to take things to the next level drink some labat blue lights with your friends and live life to the power of we always enjoy responsibly beer labat usa buffalo new york another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help
0: Great to have you back with us here on the GM Shuffle. we got lots coming up today, including eight Saints, including six offensive coaches testing positive for COVID. Man, how will that impact Sean Payton and company moving forward? Could Urban Meyer, love this story, be on its way out, head to USC? One game into his Jacksonville Jaguars tenure. Eh, maybe I'm going back to college. And high hopes for the Ravens, but man, some major injuries to deal with. Week one, officially in the books. Week two is upon us. I've listened to a lot of pundits, Mike, talk radio, uh, ESPN Talking as NFL Network, and, and no matter what, the the safest thing to say is, well, it's only week one, right? No matter what happens to your team, like, well, it's only week one. I think okay, like we get that. I think we all understand it's only week one, but there's certainly some trends, certainly com- some concerns, and some teams that know they got to step it up in week two, right? No doubt. I mean, look,
2: it is week one, but I mean, there was a lot of bad football, and if you're a fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars, or you're a fan of uh, of the Chicago Bears, or you're a fan of uh, of Tennessee Titans, you, you saw bad football. Your team's got to get better. Now it's not you don't overreact, but you got a long way to go. And if you feel like the coaching was bad, which I thought was, I thought the coaching in Jacksonville was really poor. I, I, I really, you know, this Urban Meyer story about going back. Look, there's certain college coaches that are recruiters, and then there's certain college coaches that are football people. Matt Rule could recruit, but he also had coached in the league. You know, Urban's a recruiter. You know, and he's relying on two coaches, Brian Schottenheimer, Bevel, Joe Cullen, the staff. It just, there's no story I hear out of Jacksonville that sounds positive, that sounds like everybody's buying in. Now, does that mean he's going to go to USC? I don't know. All I can say was I got a text from somebody in the league, a high ranking official in the league saying, Urban to USC. And I wrote back, no way. And the text came back to me. You want to bet, and I know this guy knew Urban really well, so I said, "No, I don't want to bet." And then he proceeded to tell me that the word around the Columbus area is that Urban's not really loving pro football. Now I know he's come out and deny it, but you know, pro football ain't all what it's cracked up to be. It's hard and it's challenging, and and you've got to have a love of the game, the love of the tactical, the strategy, understanding the strategy. You're not going to out recruit anybody. And you really got to brush up and you got to have a a concierge. You you need a gatekeeper. Urban Meyer, if there's anything he needs more than anything, he needs a gatekeeper. He needs somebody to help him navigate the waters. And he just doesn't have that right now. And I think it's reflective of his team. So yeah, it is week one, uh, but there's a long way to go. The one thing I would like to say, AD, before we get going is this is really important. And I think as a football fans and people that listen to this podcast, this is football 101 that has to happen and if you see it happen it's then you know it's bad ball okay the ravens kicked that field goal and they did a wonderful job of reducing that clock down to 36 seconds to go in the game and tucker makes the field goal right so now you have a you have a 3 point lead with 36 seconds and the opponent has no timeouts left so from this moment forward, you as a fan, you have to say to yourself, six plays are in the game. There's only six more plays left in the game. Okay? And if they keep the ball in bounds, two of those plays are going to, be, are going to have to be spikes. They're going to have to be spikes. So we're going to have to defend four plays, basically. All right? So what does this mean? This is what, when we talk about situational football... This is exactly what we're talking about. So I'm sitting on the couch with my man, Pat, Millie, and Bernadette. We're all sitting there watching the end of the game. We just got done eating. We had a big dinner. They were leaving the next day. And so when this happens, I say to Pat, they have to kick the ball in bounds here. They have to kick it in bounds. They have to, whether they squib it, whether they pop it up, This is a situation you work on in training camp. We have the lead. They have no timeouts. We're going to kick the ball high up in the air. We're going to make it land on the five. It's not college. You can't fair catch it. Okay? You can't fair catch it. You take the ball out. Now, all of a sudden, six seconds evaporate off the clock. Now, you could say to me, well, what happens if they return it for a touchdown? Then you're really shitty in the kicking game you deserve to lose. Right? If you pin them back inside the twenty. They lose six seconds. They may have a longer field to go, and they have one less play to work with. Do you know when they kicked that field goal? Three seconds were on the clock with three seconds on the clock. That is how you win football games. That's how you lose football games.
0: And that's why you can imagine the frustration when it happens, like you said, with seconds left in a game. You mentioned the Ravens, Mike. Monday night's game, that wild overtime game, averaged 15.3 million viewers. That's up 59%. Over last season's Week 1 Monday Night Football, jubilation right now in Bristol, Connecticut. In fact, all across the board, NFL numbers are up. Week 1 drew an average of 17.4 million viewers. That's an increase of 7% over last year. In a world in which every single television show, every single sport, you feel like if you're flat, that's a win. Because most often, your numbers are going down because people don't watch broadcast television the way they used to. There's a 1,000 streaming options. The fact the NFL is up 7%, it calls to mind Mark Twain. The reports of my death are greatly exaggerated, right? The reports of my demise a couple of years ago people were thinking NFL is going down. Listen, you and I both know it's the most popular sport in the country. That's not the headline. My point is the fact it's up in this day and age remarkable.
2: It, it really is, but I think, you know, we there there is a, a couple uh a storm there's a perfect storm effect here and I think a lot of it has to do with DraftKings and all the other all the other uh, betting services. I mean, we saw this huge spike when fantasy football came into play. And now we're going to see this huge spike when, pe- when, when when the little old lady from Des Moines or some somebody living in Superior, Wisconsin can make bets on games. And it draws you into the game. It draws you into the game. And it makes you really feel like I'm sitting there watching the game on the couch. And I had recommended Baltimore on my tweet on, on Sunday after my show on VEASAN. I, I recommended it and I'm sitting there and I'm watching it and, and I want to win. I didn't bet it, but I want to win for whoever would have taken my advice and I'm managing the game and I'm saying, okay, it, you know, if they, if this game goes to overtime, that's not good for the the rate, that's not good for the Raiders. They could lose by six, you know, once the Raiders got the ball, that was good. You know, they get the ball to the one inch line. Okay. We're going to win. else they screw it up. Uh, I mean, you're just constantly playing the game as if you were, were in the game and that's generates the tremendous interest and i think that's why we have such an incredible fan base i mean that's why you you've got to be able to to go out there and and get your sling tv i mean this this weekend i mean i can't wait to just sit out in my backyard i got sling tv all set up right they're not they don't advertise the pod but i got it anyway you know i got sling i got to sit out there watch the games Enjoy the sun, maybe build a fire. I mean, what what better way to enjoy the world? And then just hopefully hit your bet,
0: all your bets hit for the people that bet them. Hundred percent. I mean, the factors a year ago: the pandemic, the election, social justice messaging, whatever cause you want to point to. Bottom line is, football is back. And like you said, there's a stat: thirty six percent of people more likely to gamble this year. Like, so at this point, you're right. You already love the games. You get your fancy football. Now you can gamble, enjoy the sun, and enjoy the football. And maybe that's good news. For 30-year-old Josh Gordon, a rocky career for the 30-year-old whose issues have been well-documented, the NFLPA recommending he be reinstated. This is a guy who's been suspended six times since the 2013 season, most recently was suspended indefinitely in 2019, was conditionally reinstated in December of 2020, was set to practice with the Seahawks before it was rescinded because he experienced another setback in his recovery. It makes me think of her old school baseball fan, Steve Howe and the Yankees. The NFLPA has determined he has successfully completed his NFL monitor treatment program. He's awaiting final approval from Roger Goodell. You talk about red flags, Mike. This guy's got plenty of red flags. If you're a team right now, would you take the risk and bring him in?
2: You know, here's the thing. And I I was with Josh in 13 when he was with the Browns. And we should have traded him then because you just knew he wasn't going to be able to beat this. It was just something that was inherent, you know, in in, in his life, his style. And, you know, and you felt badly for the kid. But he's not a good player anymore. He's a name now. Like, why would you take him on? Like, he can't separate anymore. He doesn't have the same skill set. You know, it's it's not just going to come back for him. And so now you're taking, you know, how many more times are you going to say, well, he went to treatment? My question is, is how many, I mean, these treatments aren't working. He keeps getting tested positive. Like, at some point, it, it's really hard for him. And I know that losing football will make it even harder for him. And I feel badly for that. Because deep down, I think he loves the game, but he just doesn't know how to get his life in order. And I feel sorry for him on that. But at at the end of the day, the teams are going to say, is the risk worth the reward? There's really no reward here. You're taking all the risk. I don't see it happening. It's just constantly, he's always a story for when he played
0: really well in 13. When has he played really well since? Right, and that's the thing. It's one thing when people go, Antonio Brown, okay, super talented, had some issues, but he can still play. When it comes to Josh Gordon, you're right. What have you done for me lately, right? It's a... a it's a results-oriented league. If you can't prove you've been great lately, this is a real reach. No doubt.
2: And so why are you going to take it on? And I don't think anybody's willing to take it on. I think they'll just pass and go to the next one.
0: So let's pass ourselves and go on to the next one. Game previews. These are all lines, by the way, <laughs> from DraftKings from Wednesday evening. Underdogs went 12-4 and against the spread in week one. The most covers by underdogs in week one during the Super Bowl era. I want to make it clear, by the way, Mike, as I always say, is fearless when it comes to his picks. The first year we did this, uh, his success rate was over 60%. Last year was around 50. Tough year, obviously, pandemic, et cetera. But you went uh, unbeaten in week one. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, 3-0 and oh in the week one. I had to get a good week, and uh, hopefully I'll keep it going. I do Mad Dog Russo on Friday afternoons. I went 2-1 and one on his picks. I have to, I'm competing against Mad Dog it's great i do it every day on, every friday on his show uh now into the re- remainder of the season and and we, it's a contest between he and i and who's going to finish first and the winner has to supri- supply springsteen tickets at the choice of the other person wherever they want to go, assuming Springsteen's going to tour in 2022. So obviously I am sharpening my pencil and digging down on this one because, uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully I, I can get this one nailed away. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited.
0: I not only really love that you're with Mad Talk, but the fact that that's what the stakes are. Like if he says, listen, I want Springsteen tickets in Seattle. Okay, fine. I guess that's what the deal is. I love it.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, I might tell him I want Springsteen tickets in Milan because I'm telling you, I'm going to see him <laughs> one day in Milan. I mean, San Siro Stadium. I mean, he comes to life over there. Uh, you know, I saw them in Florence. But uh, anyway, I mean, I, I'm just excited. You know, I, I think the thing that, uh, you know, if you read the book Noise by, by Daniel Kahneman, I think it helps you try to block out some of this perception that's going on during the week, teams. And, and you called it, you know, the the expectations, the overreactions of week one. I think you have to go back and watch the tape, right? I think you got to go back and watch the, t- the tape. And I spent all week watching the tape. And just kind of just put the game in perspective because I don't care really what the score was. Some of these games are so tight one way or the other, whereas the fans think that, you know, the game was really never in doubt. It's always in doubt. Like, let's take the Bears and the Rams, right? It's 31 to 14, the game's over. And you say, well, the Bears really, the Bears are right there. The Bears, the Rams never got control of that game. They always had the lead, but they never got control. And so you see a little bit of a weakness, perhaps, in the, Bear, in, in the Rams' defense, the way they played against the Bears. They were concerned. You know, How does that parlay itself against the Colts? And we'll talk
0: about it. But that's what I think you have to do. All right, let's get into it then. So the Saints and the Panthers, uh, I mentioned at the top, eight tests positive for Kobe for the Saints, including six offensive coaches. Sean Payton had an incredible week one and still retains his sense of humor. How about this quote? It's like Ted Lasso. There's three or four of us. By the way, Emmy Awards on Sunday. Ted Lasso expected to clean up. We're meeting in bigger groups with the receivers and running backs and quarterbacks as opposed to breaking into subgroups and just kind of covering the information. Uh, Listen, Mike, we talked about last week, excuse me, we talked about on Monday how important coaching is, a guy like Sean Payton, how great a coach he is. But man, when you're talking about six coaches who can't be there, how challenging do you think this is? Or in this era of Zoom, is it not as challenging as one might think?
2: Well, I think it's challenging. I think it's going to be really challenging on game day, right? I think it's going to be hard because, uh, you know, you've got to make adjustments. Football is a game about adjustments. I wrote this for the Daily Coach. I think when you watch a football game, the first quarter is all about assessment. You're just trying to figure out what's going on. And then once you make the assessment, how you game planned, what you did, then you make adjustments. And the second and third quarter are all about adjustments. The fourth quarter is an independent game. It stands alone. It stands alone. It should have its own game plan. It should have its own 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 way you want to play it. It should have everything, and it should have the plays that you want to run that are only fourth quarter plays, the two point plays, the two point defenses, the certain blitzes. The fourth quarter stands alone, and I think when you lose some of these coaches, you lose some of that ability to adjust in the second and the third quarter. And I think it's going to be hard, you know. And I think it's going to be a challenge. I, I, I look, I like Tennessee. I liked Arizona against Tennessee last week because I thought Tennessee's team was 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 mirrored in COVID. And I think even though they were back on the field and healthy, I think it takes an effect out of you. And it might happen this week. I mean, look, they might not have Lattimore, their corner. They might have Marcus Davenport. He might be out. He's questionable. Lattimore's doubtful. I mean, if they don't have Lattimore, they'll get Roby back. But I mean, Carolina could throw the football. And I thought Sam Darnold played within himself really well. I mean, they used McCaffrey perfectly. And last time they played, they lost 27 24 in New Orleans. Now they've got blown out 33 to 7 in the game in Carolina, the last game of the year. But I think Matt Rules circled this game on his calendar. I think this is the one he wants to challenge his team to really see if they could take a step up in class and beat the defending champions of the of the South in the in New Orleans Saints. So I, I think this will be again, I'll make my pick Sunday morning on the pot on, on Twitter. I'll put them out there. But this is a game I'm
0: strongly considering. The Panthers at three and a half. And some are predicting Jameis to be in the MVP conversation. I mean, he was incredible in week one, as you and I have said all along. Does he have talent? Of course. Does he have a big arm? Sure. Accuracy? Yeah. It's the turnovers. I think if you limit the interceptions, there's no reason Jameis Winston, I, listen, I don't think he's going to have a week one type performance again, but do I think he can have a big year? Absolutely. Yeah.
2: I, I, I mean, I think it's really, it's hard to imagine that, that, uh, that, that Jameis can be in this. If it, to me, That should be Sean Payton's in coach of the year conversation because it's Sean that's making him really make the, it's really, Jameis has done a good job, but let's put some coaching on it, you know, and I think that's really what we're seeing. As I've said many times, Drew Brees hadn't played well the last two years, and I think ultimately it was Sean Payton that carried him, and I think Sean Payton's going to continue to carry, to continue to carry Jameis Winston.
0: All right. That's the story when it comes to Saints. Like I said, you'll give your pick Sunday morning. Panthers plus three and a half is the line right now. Rams at the Colts. Rams are week one winners. The Colts lost in week one. Sunday at one Eastern, the Colts are plus three and a half. Rams offense, again, was ruling. Stafford is over there. They hope to build upon that. The surprise for Indy, Mike, they struggled against the Seahawks D. And you are worry about their offense coming in. What do you think? Rams, Colts? Well, I think this will be a really good game.
2: I mean, I think Frank Wright. I mean, the problem the Colts have is their left tackle. It's really kind of poor right now. They've got to do a good job of shoring that up. But I didn't think the Colts played as bad as the score. They moved the ball. They didn't play well in the red zone, and I think they've got to just kind of get back. I think Wentz, once he's had a game under his belt, will continue, will improve. I didn't think he was horrible. But I think he wasn't 100%. And I think as the week goes on, I think he will be. I think it's going to be a hard game for the Rams. I really do. It's a tough environment to go into. I think they're going to put some pressure on the offensive line of the Rams. And I think it's going to be a problem coming around the edges. I think this Colt defensive front's got to play really well. They got embarrassed last week. They got humiliated at home. I have a hard time thinking they're going to lose two home games. I like the Colts as a team. Their defense has to step up. I mean, they've got to be able to to to, to take the way the the what the cult what the Rams want to do, whether it's double cook, cook cup, whether it's take away the the tight end screens, whatever they have to do. I think they, they got to really do a good job of. But I think they got to, they can control the football. Look, I was not impressed with the Rams defense on Sunday. I thought that that Andy Dalton moved the ball. He was able. They could run. They ran the ball. I mean, Montgomery ran the ball effectively. And I think that that Reich's a really good coach. And so I think this is one of those games where I feel like The Colts better step up or it's going to be a long year.
0: Uh, As far as notable injuries, Xavier Rhodes, excuse me, the cornerback for Indianapolis, where we're going, we don't need Rhodes. He's questionable. And the Rams defensive tackle, Sebastian Joseph Day, is questionable as well. This is certainly a a, a matter of strength versus strength. That Rams offense against the Colts defense, as you said, the weaknesses are the Rams D and Indy's offense. We'll see which team can shore up that position. When we come back though, Washington loses their starting quarterback. The injury, butt continues to hit the Ravens as they face the Chiefs. Our week two preview continues next here on The Shuffle.
1: 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Broncos at the Jaguars.
0: We continue our week two previews Sunday at one o'clock Eastern. We talked off the top the fact that, listen, USC firing head coach Clay Helton, rumors about Urban Meyer. Uh, Listen, for now, he is the guy. And as far as this game is concerned, the Jaguars are plus six. Trevor Lawrence had some rookie mistakes, and now he's facing a really good Broncos defense. That's not a good recipe for Trevor Lawrence. And the Broncos have the easiest schedule in the league early on. Giants, Jags, Jets. Mike, you could really see Denver starting 3-0, couldn't you? Yeah, especially they get to play the Jets at home
2: next week. So, you know, uh, look, I thought they have to play better than they did against the Giants. Their defense, even though they rushed the passer, I thought they would be a little bit more dominant. It's going to be a hard game for the Jags in this sense. The Jags, Lawrence is going to see disguise and coverage by Vic Fangio that he's never seen before. And it's going to be really challenging. And, you know, now Brian Schottenheimer's on the offensive staff. He was in Seattle. They've used to play them. But this will be a hard game for Lawrence to kind of get comfortable with and see if he can handle it, you know. Darby, the corner for the, for the Broncos, won't play in the game. He's out with an injury. But I still think the matchups favor Denver strongly in this game. It'd be hard to think the Lions. I mean, their Jags are a six-point dog at home. After they were a three-point dog on the road, a three-point favorite on the road, I mean, to me, their defense is just not very good at all. They're not—they're not sound. They're trying to run the Ravens scheme. They don't have corners that can cover. And Denver is really athletic at receiver. I know they lost Judy, but they've got other guys that play really well there. I, I mean, I think it's going to be hard for Jacksonville to beat Denver. I'd be surprised if they played this game close. I don't know if I'm going to play it because what I worry about going into Jacksonville, much like Green Bay the heat and humidity, you tend to wear down that fourth quarter. All of a sudden, you know, the game becomes even in the fourth because of the heat and humidity. And and with a six-point spread, that's a lot of points.
0: Yeah. Uh, by the way, big fan of Jerry Hay, Judy. Unfortunately, that injury, you're right. But Denver does have lots of other options there at receiver. Moving on, the Bills and the Dolphins. It's Buffalo that's 0-1. The Dolphins 1-0 as they emerged victorious, although Tua Tagovailoa was inconsistent. Bills struggled against Pittsburgh, meantime, but Miami's D looked good against the Pats. Again, we feel like it's Buffalo's division. Maybe the Pats can contend it. Maybe the Dolphins, this is one of those statement games early on. Both these teams, Mike, had question marks after week one. The Dolphins are plus three and a half. Miami is at home. Who do you like? Well, I, you know, I, I watched that Buffalo tape and Josh Allen
2: looked to me like he was the Josh Allen of 19. He didn't throw the ball really well. And the Bills had no run game. I mean, the, the Steelers beat him without really doing anything offensively. I mean, the Steelers really didn't do anything offensively and won the game. I don't know how good the Bills are, you know, when they don't connect on throws down the field and they don't make big chunk plays. Now they put 50 some points on them last year in Buffalo at the end of the year. And, you know, it was a game where it was a playoff atmosphere for the Miami. They had a winner and they, they could have gone to the playoff and they couldn't do it. And two struggled, you know, for me, This is a game where Miami gets to come home. The heat and humidity, it's in their favor. These are the kind of games Miami plays well in. I think it's a scary game for Buffalo. I think it's scary in the sense that when you watch Miami, they don't have a great pass rusher, but they can pressure the quarterback. They push that pocket back. Mac Jones took a beating in the game. He took a beating in the game against the Dolphins. And if they put that kind of pressure on
0: Josh Allen where they get in his face, Buffalo will have a hard time. And as you said to me before, with New England, it was always a challenge. Those September games in Miami, dealing with that heat, humidity, again, Buffalo cold weather team, maybe that could impact them on the road in South Florida. Moving on, the Niners and the Eagles, both these teams at 1-0, Sunday at 1 o'clock Eastern. Eagles are favored, excuse me, the Niners are favored. Eagles are plus three. That's the line. Now, San Francisco did lose their starting cornerback, Jason Verrett, torn ACL, and the running back, Raheem Mostert, chipped cartilage in his knee for the years. So that's a couple of injuries right out of the gate. Eagles looked very strong in week one. They were all over the Atlanta Falcons. Hertz looks solid. That defensive line we talked about. The Niners came out of hot. Almost blew a twenty-eight point lead. I know San Francisco is favored, but can Philadelphia pull off an upset, Mike?
2: Well, I mean, Philly's going to win the game with their offensive defensive lines. That's how they have to control it. Now, the De- Detroit game was kind of like you just couldn't believe it. Like you just couldn't believe it. I mean, they get the onside kick, and then they make a big play, and the next thing you know, you know, they the, the San Francisco fumbles when they're trying to put the game away. It was. It was a perfect setting, and of course, Detroit couldn't close it out. This will be a challenge for Philly because the defensive front for the, for the Niners is going to be really good, and they'll put some pressure on Hertz. Hur- was able to run around in the pocket. Atlanta did a horrible job of controlling them. They never kept Hertz in front of them. And San Francisco's got to do that. Now, they stayed in West Virginia. They stayed over at the uh, the Bar, which is an incredible hotel, A.D. If you go to the Bar, this is where the government in the early 60s or late 50s and early 60s built uh, the Senate and Congress that if we were ever under nuclear attack, they would stay. And there's a whole area underneath this Greenbrier Hotel that's just a, kind of like a museum to those artifacts. It's unbelievable. You're down in the basement. It's just flat out remarkable. But they stayed on the West East Coast, which was smart. Here's the problem when you play San Francisco. They When they have Kittle and they have the two backs in the backfield and then they have their receivers, they're really fast. They're really, really fast, and they create really big problems. And and the Raiders, excuse me, the Eagles linebackers and safeties are not very good, and they're going to have a hard time playing the speed of the game out of base. And if they go to nickel against them, it becomes a problem in the run game. So I I think this is going to be a really good chess match. Everybody in Philly's already given the Eagles a Super Bowl. It's already done. I mean, you (laughs) might as well just buy Super Bowl tickets. It's over. I mean, I listened to the news last night and and, and they said, well, you know, this will be a little bit of
0: a bigger test this weekend. You know, no shit, really? I mean, come on. Yeah. Atlanta and San Francisco, a slight difference in talent. Cowboys at the Chargers, Sunday, 425 Eastern. Dallas lost their first game. Uh, Then I got some injuries, right? DeMarcus Lawrence, broken foot. Lael Collins, the offensive tackle, suspended. Randy Gregory's out. Michael Gallup, the Gallup poll, short-term IR. All those injuries have an impact as they're on the road against the Chargers. Chargers are minus three and a half.
2: LA the pick here? No, I, I think to me, you know, with well, I was leaning. To me, it was an even game. I I ran my numbers this week, and on my numbers, I had it as and my numbers are t- it's too early, but I had it as a pick'em game. Believe it or not, wow. And and when I I looked at my numbers, and then Lawrence has got the bad foot. He's out with a broken foot, which is really really tough on them. I mean, that's a hard thing. And so, with him out with a broken foot, you know, are they going to be able to? I was really impressed with the pass rush of the. Of the pass rush of the of the Chargers last week and their offensive lines ability. Now they say Balaga's going to be healthy. They're going to need him. But if Lawrence isn't going to play, where are they going to get the off? Where are they going to get the pass rush? This Herbert guy's sensational. Like like, you know, I gave Ryan Pace a ton of shit for picking Mitchell Trubisky over, you know, some of these other quarterbacks that that went Watson and Mahomes and all those guys. But I'm telling you, taking Tua over Herbert, I mean, if you're, look, maybe Tua is going to be good. Maybe he'll be good, but he ain't going to be Herbert. This Herbert is sensational. This guy could win the MVP of the league. That's how good he is, AD. He yeah. was unbelievable in this game. I mean, it's it's one of those where, you know, and, and look, the, and Tom Telesco will be the first guy to tell you. He said, look, we were going to take Tua or, or Herbert, whoever they picked first. That's the one mistake you can't make in the league. You can't say... Ryan Leaf, Peyton Manning, and you get your pick, and you pick the wrong one. You got to be perfect, and I, I I don't care what Tua does, he's never going to be as good as Herbert. It's not even going to be close. One guy's going to be a blue chip player. The best that I think Tua is going to be is a is is going to be a red
0: a low red at best at best. And that's why I think that'll always be Tua, right? He'll be chasing Justin Herbert's ghost, trying to prove that, no, no, I'm just as good as him. No, uh, right now, it's not even a race. Right now, one's a thoroughbred, and one's uh, lagging behind. Speaking of thoroughbreds, how much fun would this matchup be? If every week we could see the Chiefs and the Ravens. Now, it feels a little different because the Ravens are by far the most injured team in the NFL. Six starters on IR over the past three weeks. That's a total of 14 players in IR. Running backs, J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, all on the IR. Nick Boyle, cornerback Marcus Peters, Dyer Phillips, their guard. Marquise Brown is questionable, their wide receiver. But anytime you hear, Mike, Mahomes versus Lamar, that's why this is the game on Sunday Night Football. Ravens at plus three and a half. I think the Chiefs win, but I can't wait to watch it anyways, because I feel like Lamar gets up for these big games.
2: Here are the two games I'm worried about this week, and 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 I'm going to go back to college. When Notre Dame played Florida State in that great game on Monday night down in Tallahassee, both teams were exhausted. Florida State comes out and can't beat Jacksonville State the next week, and Notre Dame barely beats Toledo. I don't know if the Raiders or the Ravens are going to be really fresh enough to go in there. The Raiders have to play at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning on their body clocks. You know, they went, you know, the, the, the game ended Monday night. They had very few weeks. They're going to play a really physical team. They just got done playing a physical team. They have a ton of injuries. The Ravens now have to play the Chiefs and watch out beep beep. They don't have all their corners. You know, and and when you saw that they couldn't pass rush in the third and fourth quarter of that game when they got tired, you know, Derek Carr took advantage of a really of a secondary that's other than Marlon Humphreys is really struggling to cover anybody. To me, this is going to be a really hard game. The Ravens have to control the football, but look, the Chiefs, without Tyron Math out there, without the Honey Badger, they couldn't get lined up. They made more mistakes on defense. They couldn't check. I mean, Chubb ran for a touchdown that you and I could have ran through that goddamn hole. It was, he never got touched. It was a 24-yard touchdown run, never got touched. So I think it's going to be a really hard game for the Ravens. I don't know if they have any juice left in them, but you get three and a half at home, home dogs are always something that you got to consider.
0: I'm right, Interesting. I like the logic there, at least. Coming up next, a couple more games to go through. Saquon Barkley is questionable for Thursday night. We're taping this on Thursday morning. Did the Giants bring him back too early? Plus, the Magic is out for Fitzmagic. Can Taylor Heineke lead Washington to the playoffs? We'll discuss next. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. Titans at the Seahawks. The Seahawks are minus five and a half. Sunday, 425. The Seahawks had a strong opener. Russell Wilson didn't have to throw a lot, but he was awfully effective finding the end zone specifically. And Mike Vrabel for the Titans, he called out Julio Jones for his costly personal foul. Said Vrabel, dumb shit hurts the team in bold letters. And Julio had multiple drops along with the penalty. Talk about an inauspicious debut, Mike. No doubt. I mean, look, uh, one thing about Vrabel, he don't mind confrontation. He don't
2: give a shit about it. He's going to do whatever he's got to do. Look, if you're a Tennessee fan, that your concern is your defense, right? It was horrible last year. Is it any better? I mean, Bud Dupree is questionable. With You know, I mean, are they any good on, can they cover anybody? Janoris Jenkins, can he cover anybody? And that's the big challenge. And I thought Seattle was really well coached. I thought Seattle's offense was much better. We saw Russ under center more. I thought it was exactly what I envisioned with Shane Waldron taking over as the offensive coordinator. This is going to be a hard game for Tennessee. Tennessee's tough, though. The one thing about Vrabel's team is they find a way to kind of play through all the all the distractions. And if they can run the ball a little bit against Seattle and get that play action and give LaJuan some help over at right tackle at left tackle, then I think they got to, they'll have a chance. But remember, there is, this is in Seattle now. This is in Seattle, and we haven't seen the 12th man in a long time. That place will be rocking
0: Sunday good point. That crowd's got lots of pent-up frustration. They cannot wait to uh, support their team. Giants and Washington. Again, we're taping this Thursday morning. Uh, That game is tonight. Uh, Seahawks, excuse me, Giants and Washington. Fitzpatrick is out. He's on the IR with hip subluxation. Saquon Barkley is questionable. A lot of focus, Mike. People saying in the New York area, the Giants rushed him back too fast. Taylor Heineke will try to lead Washington now. Teammates have been praising him all week, but both these teams have a lot of question marks. Weigh in first with Saquon. Should they have waited a little longer?
2: Well, I think, they. I mean, they, you activate them, but do you play them? Like, there's one thing that a head coach has to decide is, you know, you've been cleared to play, but can you play? And that's a real problem. And so I, I don't know if he does. I mean, this is going to be a game. Look, how good are the Washington football team on defense? We talked about it on Monday. You know, I mean, they're supposed to be this great defense. We got all Dick Vitale. Oh my God, they got all these great players. Are you kidding me? They, play, they gave up, you know, 74% on third down, 424 yards to a really good player. The Giants have beaten them. Daniel Jones is 4-0. He sees that Washington uniform, and he's like, hey, baby, I got this now. I mean, look, I, I don't know how you go against Washington in the game. I really don't. So, you know, and do I think Taylor Hanke will play well? Yeah, I do. I think the Giants' defense is a little overrated as too. But I, I would be concerned uh, about if I were Washington, I'm concerned about how good we really are. Their schedule is really tough going forward, really tough. And if they don't, if their strength is their defense and their defense doesn't play like it's strong, they're in real shit. They're in real trouble.
0: If you missed the last GM Shuffle, Mike broke down exactly why they watched the defense. You talk about don't believe the hype. A lot of hype. Need to see the results as well. Those are the game previews. As always, we love for all of you to get in touch with us. Send us your mailbag questions to thegmshuffle at gmail.com or feel free to send us a message on Instagram at thegmshuffle. This is from Jesse James. Love the name. I saw much more play action with Russ under center in week one. It translated to more effective passing and seemed to confuse the Colts. Can changes to schematics like that take a team over the hump, especially one whose offense went stale last season? Listen to you guys every week. Can't get enough of the Uncle Vince and LaFuck duo. Yes. Uncle Vince is the best.
2: He hasn't texted me all week. Uh, He'll text me with the the, uh, Monday night. I'll get a text like five minutes before the game. It'll say, wonder what LaFuck has up his sleeve today. And then he'll text me after that. Nothing. Yeah, he'll answer his own question. It'll be brilliant. I can set my clock to it. At 8.55, at, at 8, whatever time the game starts, at 8.20, it's, uh, 8.15, I'll get that text from Big Daddy. Big Daddy, Uncle Vince. Look, I think ski, I think scheme marrying to the player is how teams win championships. Joe Montana, West Coast offense. You know, Baker Mayfield running what he's running. It's the perfect way. And these little it's short quarterbacks need to be under center. Lamar Jackson needs to be under center. They don't do it. Roman won't change. It's going to cost Baltimore. It's going to cost Roman his job eventually. But until they get Lamar Jackson under center and utilize his skills as being able to fake the play action and then use them on boots and nakeds, because remember, this is really important. There's only one play in football, the quarterback blocks somebody, and that's the boots and nakeds. And if you don't allow him to take defenders with him on his fakes cuz they're all going to go with them. It's horrible. So I think you're right, Jesse. I think this I think it's really good. I think Seattle was well coached on offense. I think they're improved and I think it's going to make a big difference.
0: As we wrap up shop here, the Pop Culture Minute, comedy on my mind. We lost a real great comic mind and Norm MacDonald, the Canadian passing away at 61 years of age. No one knew he was sick, private battle with cancer. I've been going back watching his jokes about OJ, a weekend update, his performance with Seinfeld, comedians in cars getting coffee, um, it's just talk shows with Conan. I mean, the guy was so funny. He had such a real... Absurdive streak to him, very irreverent. And also on the latest Cinephile, I had Frank Caliendo on the podcast. You can check out my podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you find your podcast. Caliendo, Mike, did at least 30 impressions. He's so seamless the way he does John Madden or, or John Gruden. Or he knows I love Pacino, so he gave me some of his Pacino impression. I mean, when you think of great impressionists, there's Frank Caliendo and there's no one else. Yeah, there's. I mean, he's just remarkable. I could listen to
2: him do Madden and Summer all day long, you know? Thanks, John. When he goes, like I mean, it's so good. I've been lucky to do his. I've been lucky to do his podcast a couple of times. I love it. I mean, he's just tremendous. I I'm hoping he can get get back on the road and tour again. I don't know what's happening with that, but tremendous person, uh, funnier than hell. I mean, I don't know how they took him off Fox. I thought he was great on Fox. I thought he was way better than what they have right now.
0: Couldn't agree more. He was always the one thing I'd look forward to, right? With that show, I go, I don't need to do the other stuff, but I, I definitely got to see Frank at the end of the show. That's a perfect spot for kickoff. He did tell me he's going to be back on the road soon. I think it's frankonstage.com, and he's coming to Atlantic City at some point in December. So who knows? Maybe you, me, and Caliendo in AC. Oh, we could do a pod together, yeah. he, he, he can be, We could have a pod where we'll have 55 guests and never
2: change anybody.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love the idea. Thanks so much for listening to GM Shuffle. We'll talk to you all on Monday.